two weeks ago, I came out of the building. I'm, I'm running across Sixth Avenue and there's a car waiting and I'm exactly 38 minutes to get to LaGuardia. And, and, and we're in the middle of traffic. The light changes. The traffic unleashed. It's coming. Serious traffic. But there I am. I'm babbling my mouth. I can't stop. Some ridiculous involuntary part of my brain just keeps going. I'm standing there dictating this, this secret. And, and, I, and I looked at my hands, my suit, my briefcase, and it came to me. It came over me, through me, this overwhelming sensation, the feeling, the fact that I'm covered with some sort of film and oil and ooze, my hair, my face, like a glaze, a coating. And at first I thought, my God, I know what this is. This is some sort of amniotic embryonic fluid. I'm drenched in afterbirth. I've been breached. The chrysalis, I've been reborn. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Connect, a <laughs> podcast series about movie intersections hosted by myself mm-hmm. and the Prince of Zamunda, <laughs> Shay Serrano, <laughs> in which we discuss two movies, one picked by me, one picked by Shay, and the theme that connects them today, it is Leaving Your Job, The Prince of Zamunda travels to Queens, New York to find himself and a bride. And the law firm's fixer suffers a crisis of conscience. It's coming to America. And Michael Clayton. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go! Shay, tell us about Coming to America. I had my fingers crossed that you were going to sing the She's Your Queen to Be song. And I was like, ooh, I hope he does it. I almost did it. I hope he does it. I was going to save it. I hope he does it. it. All All right, right, save it, save it. Do it. Do it at some point in this episode. At some point, it has to come. Coming to America came out in 1988, starred Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, James Earl Jones, John Amos, Eric LaSalle. And in the movie, we follow along as Akeem, as you mentioned, the Prince of Zamunda, travels to America in pursuit of finding someone to marry him. He doesn't want to participate in the tradition of the arranged marriage that his parents have set up for him because he wants someone to love him for who he is and not what he has. And then, of course, he ends up traveling to Queens. He meets Lisa, the eldest daughter of a man who owns a McDonald's knockoff fast food restaurant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you, don't say that word, <laughs> Jay. Whoa, 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 whoa. McDowell's. Very careful. Thank McDowell's, you very much. Completely and different. And there you go. <laughs> Completely different. <laughs> and there you go. That's the, that's the setup. That's the movie. And, and listen, I got to. I got to say, it's one of those movies where every single person, every single scene, every single line is just 
outstanding, immensely quotable. Oh, so endless, quotable. Endlessly entertaining. I've I seen this movie, spent, yeah. I don't even know how many times I was excited about rewatching it again. Yeah. It's legit one of the funniest, most enjoyable movies that has ever been made. Easily in my top five most rewatched movies list. Easily up there. I, I would say that I spent like, some I, I don't maybe three or four years of my like life quoting this movie back and forth with people. Yeah, just uh, every like you said, every scene is quotable. The barbershop scenes, sexual chocolate. It's like you could not stop quoting scenes from this movie. The first Eddie Murphy movie that I saw in a theater was The Nutty Professor. That was my introduction to him. It was in 1996. I had not seen any of like his earlier movie stuff because it came out when I was just a baby. And so I went backwards from there. Like, okay, here's how Eddie Murphy opened up the first five years of his movie career. 1982, he does 48 hours. Fucking a heater. He was like, Not, wasn't he like 19 or 20 at the time a, too? He was a child. He was a straight up child and blew everybody away just off yeah. the screen. 1983, he does Trading Places. 1984, he does Beverly Hills Cop. 1986, The Golden Child. And then in 87, he does Beverly Hills Cop 2. And also he has a stand-up special, the iconic Eddie Murphy Raw. That's the first five years of his movie career. And that's just fucking, I don't even know like what the word is to describe it. It's hot. It's maybe the hottest streak that any comedian, certainly. No comedian oh, has, has sure. no comedian has gone stratospheric in the way that. Eddie Murphy went stratospheric over that stretch, but even like any actor, I mean, when he broke through on SNL, he saved the program. Like mm -hmm. they were going to cancel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while he's saving a comedy institution by placing it on his shoulders, he then goes out and becomes the biggest movie star in America for a stretch. It's an unbelievable run. Eddie Murphy was one of the first experiences I can remember of watching someone in a movie and just being like, whoa. Like, who is yeah. this person? Just a mountain of charisma. A bona fide, all caps movie star. Like, there's a difference between somebody who's good in movies and a movie star. You know what I'm saying? You I, put the camera on him and it's a, it's a wrap. It's like a magic trick. It's been like that his whole career from his very, you watch his earliest clips, not even movie clips, any clips, anytime he was on camera and it was obvious then. You watch his most recent clips. You watch Dolomite, for example. Oh my God, yeah. Which is, you know, 30 years later, 30 plus years later. He should have gotten an Oscar nomination for it. He still got it. Was, it. It was obvious then. It's obvious now. He's someone who can take any line reading and turn it into just a masterpiece. I think my favorite example of when he did this, you don't even see him in the scene. It happens in Shrek. It's in the movie Shrek. Eddie Murphy plays a, a loudmouth chit-chat donkey who's like Shrek's sidekick and they're wandering around and Shrek is talking to him about how ogres are like onions and like Eddie Murphy <laughs> just ma making some jokes and then he like makes like two just sort of throwaway lines about parfait and I and I never forgot he says something like you, you know parfait is the best damn thing on, uh, best thing on the whole damn planet <laughs> you know what I'm saying like just just like a quick thing in this child's movie and I don't know anybody else who could have done it I don't know anybody else who has done anything like that. He's he's unbelievable. And he doesn't really get the props he deserves. Here's a take. You want a hot take? Give it to me. I think I think he should have been nominated for Best Actor for 1999's Bowfinger. Oh, wow. It, it, Talk about I'm, it. Talk about I'm it. Talk dead about ass it. Serious. So he plays, he plays, uh, he plays 
like an action movie star, Kit Ramsey, and then the knockoff version, nerdy version of himself, uh, Jif Ramsey. And it's legitimately a great performance in a what is kind of like a, for some reason, a forgotten, like, I think comedy classic. Bowfinger is so good. And here's, the, here's your 1999 uh, Academy Award nominees. Okay, go. Ed Norton, American History X. Okay, fine. Solid. Nick Nolte, Affliction. Mm-hmm. Do we? Nope. I, I no, feel no like thanks. we don't need it. I no feel thanks. like we don't need it. Get it out. We don't need Get it. it. Out. Throw it away. First of all, Affliction, fine. I can't, I, I have not understood a single thing that Nick Nolte has said since 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was like a there was like a two year period where I was a gigantic <laughs> Nick Nolte fan, and then yeah. in the third year I realized it was Gary Busey that I was thinking about the whole time. Exactly <laughs> my point. Uh, Ian McKellen, Gods and Monsters. Uh, once again, I'm not sure we need it. Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan. Okay, pretty good. Re- and the winner is uh, Roberto Benigni for Life Is Beautiful. Everybody remembers the great moment he stands on the chair because he's so excited. He was he got nominated. I think we drop. Honestly, we could drop Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy for Bo- Bowfinger should have been nominated. I th- I'm legitimately serious. That's a great movie and a great performance. And Eddie Murphy is one of the most talented people that's ever come through. Talented. Period. Talented. Okay, so Period. again, 48 Hours in 82, Trading Places in 83, Beverly Hills Cop in 84, The Golden Child in 86, Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Eddie Murphy Raw in 87. So he does all of that through the beginning of his career. And then he does Coming to America, which I think is his greatest, most incredible movie of all. He does that in, in 88. And the reason that I like this one, I think more than any of the other ones, is because in this movie, he has to create a character who can yeah. just be funny without trying to be funny. Right. And who can be sincere when he needs to be sincere. There are several scenes in here where he's very real and, 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 and very earnest. And it's amazing. And it's so hard to do that in a comedy movie. It's the hardest thing in the world to be funny for 95 minutes and then get serious for the last 25 minutes of the movie and and, and it feel like it's part of the same universe. And he does it here in a way that is just, you don't see the seams at all. It's effortless. It's effortless. And more than that, to your point about Prince Akeem and his sincerity and his gentleness, his big heart, Eddie Murphy, known as a comedian par excellence, certainly at this time, a star. And then here he is in a movie in which he's basically the straight man. Like yeah. most of the comedy comes from, from the setup, from the barbershop, from these other scenes. His character, the main character, Prince Keem, is the straight man throughout the movie. Really Just, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it, when I rewatched it for this, I kept getting like hints in it of uh, the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> which to me, Steve yes, Carell sort of operates the same way in the movie where he is not so often like telling a joke. He's yeah. just existing in this world in this way that is like, I think it would have been really easy for somebody else in this role to screw this movie up and have it have been something just terrible. But 100%. the creation that Eddie Murphy makes with Prince Akeem, one of the just like top level movie characters of all time. And this this cast is outstanding. Again, Arsenio yes. Hall, as Sammy, James Earl Jones as, as King Joffrey Jofer, John Amos, Madge Sinclair, Sherry Headley, um, Eric LaSalle, Frankie yes. Faison as a landlord. Like everybody in this movie is <laughs> is is great. And Eddie Murphy is such a just magnet for everything 
Now, we're probably going to spend 90% of the podcast talking about him and not even talking about these other people. Sam, who in, Sam who Jackson's in, in this. Sam like Jackson a, is in this. You know, Dude, this is just like a fucking master performance from Eddie Murphy. All of the things that you want in a movie. So uh, I have a couple things on Go. this. First of all, I'm not sure if this is the first actual Eddie Murphy movie that I ever saw. I might have seen Beverly Hills Cop before this. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I, my first my first real introduction to Eddie Murphy was someone's older brother that we, one of my friends, like older brother, had rented Raw. And so we all, <laughs> that was what it was. It's like, oh, we got Raw. Like, everybody come over and watch it. That's my first thing. And that's like an absolutely like indelible like memory in my mind is going over to someone's house, like eight kids watching Raw and being like, oh, my God, this is. This is rock star level comedy. And then the next thing is um, the sax player in the band Sexual Chocolate is a, a gentleman by the name of Carl Denson, who uh, was in a number of like jazz funk bands, uh, the Grey Boy All-Stars and various other projects under his own name. He had a Blue Note uh, jazz contract for a number of years. Did you learn and about this in music school when you went to music school? No, what happened was- Berkeley, Berkeley music No, what school. happened was his, I knew him, from around his 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 guitar player uh, his guitar players uh, pass didn't have a passport and they were going on a, a Japanese tour and so I got the call and I learned forty or fifty songs in like two days. Oh shit! I flew to Japan with what? the sax player from what? Sexual Chocolate <laughs> and I did and I did a tour of Japan with Carl Denson, the sax player from Sexual Chocolate. It's true. There's no way it's this is story. real. Is this real? Carl Denson from San Diego. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a really, he's a, a sweet man, very talented musician. He really, like, to him, it's all about the drums. It's all about the drummer. Drummer's got to be the, an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. He, loves, he, he loves his drummers, but it was a fun, it was a fun time. You went on a tour through Japan. We played Fukuoka and Osaka, Blue Note uh, jazz clubs in Fukuoka and Osaka. With a member from the Sexual Chocolate backing band. From Sexual Chocolate. Yeah. What a story. I never, I never. How did, how did, how did you never say this? Well, I, I'm saying it now. You didn't ask him about that movie? I didn't ask him about it. I was too intimidated to ask him about it. And honestly, like, I didn't, I forget how I found out. I think one of the other people in the bands was like, you know, he was Sexual Chocolate. That's, he's, <laughs> if you watch that movie, he's the sax player. I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I didn't ask him about it, but he, that is my connection with this movie. That's a, that's a brilliant connection. I don't know what, uh, Steve, play something, play like the crowd cheering, or I don't even know what you do right here. Uh, yeah, that's, play that's some incredible. Whistle, play, play some whistles, just some <laughs> whistles, celebratory whistles. Can I, Jason, can I give you my, my raw story? I think everybody... Everybody has age, a raw story. In our age Everybody group has, has like the, yeah. the raw story. Mine is the first time I heard it. And this is one of the four funniest things that ever happened in my life is I was a kid. Again, I was like seven, eight, nine years old or whatever. My younger sister had a Teddy Ruxpin doll. Do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? Yeah, I love Teddy. I wanted you, a Teddy Ruxpin so bad. You put the cassette in the back, you press play yeah. and, he re- and he reads you a book. His little mouth moves <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah. And my dad... Him and his friends were drinking. They were all drunk. And he was like, oh, you know what we're going to do? He took the cassette, because it was on the cassette as well for Raw. 
put it in there, started playing, and now we're watching Teddy Ruxpin doing Eddie Murphy stand-up because his mouth is moving and he's just Damn. cussing away. And again, I was nine years old. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. It remains top four easily. <laughs> easily. Teddy Ruxpin doing Eddie Murphy Raw. I remember the leather suit that he wore just mm-hmm. being struck by the absolute like swagger necessary to wear that. Yeah. And just being like, man, I was I was like a big time like comedy freak. So as soon as that came out, I was like, how can how can I watch it? How can we yeah, possibly yeah. watch this thing? Yeah, it, just amazing stuff. And that and that and uh, the the Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney skit that they did on SNL. Those are like that's the two. <laughs> those are my two earliest memories of Eddie Murphy, who is an absolute yeah. freaking giant. Unbelievable that, stuff. That sounds right. One more thing before we move on to Michael Clayton, because this is my favorite like tiny fact about coming to America. It's like the one that I like to throw out there. So the king and queen of Zamunda, played by James Earl Jones, of course, and Madge Sinclair. James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair would become the king and queen in The Lion King as well. They play Mufasa and Sarabi yeah. together. Great little stat. Great little fun royal stat. That's like a cool way to be pigeonholed is like, oh, we need somebody who'll be royalty. I'll call this person. I could, that could, I could never be. Nobody would ever be like, we need somebody to play a king. Let's call Shay. That would never happen. One more really fun like thing from this movie is the the cameo of Mortimer and Randolph, the bad yes. guys from Trading Places, which suggests that there's like a, a Eddie Murphy extended universe in the offing that's like out there. I can't remember like a time before that where that happened in a movie. For me, anyway. I know that was yes. the first time I watched the movie and I was like, oh, shit, that's the guys from the other movie. Because they play the music I, as like the cue to yes. let you know. And then they say their names. They're not like quiet about it at all. Randolph, Mortimer, we're back. <laughs> that you was know, one they of do those, the whole thing. That was one of, absolute, like pre-internet, I remember being like, oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Because <laughs> you couldn't look it up. You just had to kind of get it. Yeah, there was no way to confirm. You just had to know. Should we talk about Michael Clayton? We should. Well, let's get this out of the way. Let's get Michael Clayton oh out of the way. Then we, can, then we can come back to coming How to America. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Michael Clayton, released in 2007, written and directed by Tony Gilroy. Really a masterful script. Some of the best dialogue, I think, in, in a movie, uh, certainly of the last like 15 years. For me, a perfect film starring George Clooney, Tilda Swinton, Tom Wilkinson, uh, slinging bread as only he can. <laughs> we talk a lot about like genre films, kind of genre films that we like. We love heist movies, right? Um, yeah. I love spy movies. And a little further down on that list, but another genre of movie that I love, I love a legal thriller. Me too. I'm a bit, I, I love a legal thriller. Love a legal thriller. Aaron Brockovich, 12 Angry Men, The Verdict, All the President's Men is, is kind of that. But Michael Clayton to me is maybe the best legal thriller ever. I saw it in the theater just on one of my like go to the theater on Saturday and spend the whole day there days. Yeah. And was just kind of blown away by every single performance. I love I love movies with just great dialogue, you know, and this opens with an extended monologue from Arthur Arthur Eden's Tom Wilkinson's character that is just manic. You can tell he's going through uh, some kind of like episode at this time. And it's a really strong start that lets you know that you're in something that is going to go somewhere unexpected. And like every scene for me just 
crackles. And I really relate to the idea of here's this guy. He's like scraping together uh, a career from the careers of like all these other giants that are kind of like operating around him. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to figure out like, okay, how do I get enough for me that I can get out of this? Yeah. Great movie. I personally love it. I love the bread scene. It's stuck in my head. There's a million <laughs> little things that stick in my head from this movie. The bread scene, Arthur Eden's bread scene was where he's telling Michael's the best bread you ever tasted. And he's got for some reason like 20 loaves of French bread. He's got bread. a lot of loaves of French bread. Uh, the scene where Marty uh, Box, it played by Sidney Pollock, Michael Clayton, played by George Clooney, goes to his house and is, needs to ask him for like an $80,000 loan because the loan shark who lent him money to start up the restaurant that he uh, founded with his brother is really putting the pressure on. So he needs that 80 grand. And Marty's like, what are you, Michael, you got an... You, you create, you got the thing that everybody wants. You created a niche. You got a niche for yourself. You made a niche. The way he says niche <laughs> in three consecutive sentences, just like for some reason, sticks in my head. Dennis O'Hare, who I think a lot of people probably know from True Blood, is incredible in the cold open as the guy who, Mr. Greer, the guy who, uh, who hit someone who was jogging in the night up in Westchester and then just kept going. He has like this complete like emotional petulant breakdown where he's like trying to explain all the reasons why it's actually not his fault that he hit the guy. The sodium lights are so bright. They widen the street. And now the <laughs> angle is different. And this guy's running in the middle of the street at the night. Like who does that? And then all of a sudden he's, you know, and he, and he goes through everything that he could possibly. Well, what if somebody stole the car? Like um, so sleazy. And I love the way just that scene gives you an immediate understanding of what Michael's life is. His life yeah. is to clean up messes that very, very powerful people make and just make them go away because these people expect to pay no consequences for anything they do. And in fact, having to tell this guy that he might have to pay a consequence is the hardest thing that uh, Michael has to deal with throughout the course of his day. It's a movie I love for a million different reasons. I think it's a perfect movie, one of the most perfectly written movies, and an incredible script to just like read. A great movie. You hate it. I don't hate it. I like it. I like it, but I, yeah. I certainly don't love it. Like if we're talking about the best legal thrillers, I don't have Michael Clayton in my top eight. What else? What do you got? What do you got? Listen, you're already going to be mad, and I'm I'm embarrassed that I have to okay. say this. Here's 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 one that I have above it, which will okay. give you a sense of the rest of them. The Devil's okay. Advocate. I like The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like The Devil's Advocate too, that's the but truth. It, as the as the greatest legal, that's a I don't, sin, I, first of all. I don't that's think it's like the greatest. Saying, I don't think it's the greatest. I'm just saying. That's like saying that's like saying The Exorcist is my favorite family drama. <laughs> 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 listen, I like the devil's advocate more than I like Michael I Clayton. Like okay, that's fine. Listen, that's fine. That's why that's why that's why our relationship works, actually. I like the Lincoln lawyer better than I love I the like Lincoln lawyer. I like Michael, Lincoln lawyer. No, Michael that's Clayton. Wrong, but that's fine. Rainmaker? I like, uh, I like I like runaway jury more than I like I, Michael Clayton. I love I, like I love me jury. some I love me some Cusack. Cusack and Hackman going at it. How about a time to kill? I love a time to kill. I like time more. to kill. Pelican brief. Pelican Reef is in the same class for me as Michael Clayton. 
Right. Right. Like we're, we're, we're going to group them like that. So I enjoy, I do enjoy parts of Michael Clayton. Uh, I, I can't remember too many times where I want to just be like, let me sit down and watch the home movie. I love Michael Clayton. Mostly I'm like, let me sit down. You know what I see, what scene I love and what always me. brings me back to it is the last 15 minutes or so of the movie yeah. when they're like tying it all together. And then he has the showdown with Tilda Swinton and he like is laying into her doing the whole like, I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you right, I'm pay the guy off. you buy. Yeah. Like, like that part right there is fucking, uh, like that's the, that's the volume I like my legal thrillers at. You know what I'm saying? The rest of it is a little, a little more calm, a little more, a little too calm for my taste. But I do like it. I don't want it to seem like I don't like it. Well, it's okay. You, Listen, I, lo- you I love I it. Absolutely, you love I it. absolutely love this movie. I love all the little tidbits about it. I love the fact that Sidney Pollack, who's a great director in his own right, gives you like one of the great performances by a director in a movie in this. He's also mm-hmm. great in uh, Tootsie and various other things. Uh, I love the fact um, that director and writer, screenwriter and billions showrunner Brian Koppelman is yes. like randomly in the in the in Playing the poker, poker club scene Playing talking fucking talking shit. Did I I'm sorry, did I offend you? Talking shit to Clooney. Just fucking shitting on Clooney. Come through, Brian. <laughs> Absolutely shitting on him. I love the fact that Denzel Washington was supposed to be the main guy. Denzel Washington was supposed to be Michael Clayton. Imagine this with Denzel Washington as Michael Clayton. Now you're talking about the best legal thriller of all time. <laughs> if you slide in, if you slide in Denzel Washington, I promise you, this is the best of all time. He's levels better than George Clooney. I think George Clooney is great. Big fan. Love him in the Oceans movies. But love he him. can't do what Denzel does. Denzel fucking would an- annihilate this. I think it makes it a very different movie, but also a very interesting movie. And I'm sure I would have loved it as well, but I, I love Clooney in this. This is like peak Clooney for me. This is like top level Clooney. I see that. And that's what I like about that last part of it. I like when he, I like when he turns on the big engines and he's like, let yeah. me, because for the, for most of the movie, he's getting batted around in the storm, you know, trying to get right. his he, feet under him. And yeah, once he's trying finally, to figure out like what's happening. Once he finally does, and he's like able to swagger his way through a scene, because it starts out great with like, "Oh, you, you, you seen a ghost? You thought I was dead?" Like he, like he's fucking in control, and I love that. I greatly enjoy, as far as like TV characters and movie characters are concerned, I greatly enjoy fixers as a yeah, thing, like, as as yeah. as a mechanism. Are you a it's, Bosch guy? Uh, I like, yeah, somebody like that. Like, there's something comforting about that, especially as I get older and I like yeah. find myself with more and more responsibilities. I love somebody who you could just be like, can you get this stuff done? And they get the stuff done. Jared in Silicon Valley is somebody like yeah. that. He's gonna do all of the little stuff. He's gonna book the hotel rooms and make sure you yes. have the car, like that. Dwight in the office is always gonna yes. do his job. Joan in Mad Men, gonna mm-hmm. do the job. Fucking Winston Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Somebody like that. Winston Wolf is a great one. That's maybe like a little secret sauce in the movie that also keeps pulling me back into it. I just love that thing. The other thing I love about this movie is, you know, kind of what it says about the intractability of like corruption and corporate power. It's like the only way that this entire scheme of U Norths blows up. So U North, this uh, mega corporation, created this uh, weed killer that gave 400 people probably more cancer and they died and they're trying to cover it up. And they knew that it was cancerous the entire time. There was documents to that effect. And the only reason that, and they uh, contract out with the 
Kenner Bach, this incredible law firm that is just crushing Kenner Bach Ledeen, of which Arthur is like the main litigator, genius litigator. And the only way that this really corrupt criminal scheme can possibly break down is because uh, Arthur like has a mental break. Like you have to actually, and I love the I love what it says about power in that way. Is like it's so normal that you actually have to be insane to do the right thing. And that's what it took for like the right thing to happen in this movie. That's one of the things that I really that I really that's, like about this movie. That's a very clever turn of phrase right there. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo. My uh you mentioned the guy in the beginning of the movie. I love this guy. My goal in life is I just want to get enough money that I can hit someone with my car and then just drive away. Like that's my that that that's my first reaction is to just drive off after I hit a jogger. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'll handle this later. And then immediately call your law firm. They yeah. send someone out at three in the morning and you spend like 10 minutes going, well, here's, you know, it's like I've been complaining about this stretch of road for years now, honey. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Have I not been complaining about it for years? They put in this new light. It's fucking blinding out there. It gets foggy. I've been, anyone will tell you that this stretch is dangerous. Let's do some categories, Jason. First Let's category. Go. First category, Jason, pick a scene for me. Jason. Yes. What's the one scene in Michael Clayton that you'd show someone who's never seen the movie before if you're trying to get them to watch it in its entirety? This is tough. This is tough right here to pick one scene to do this. I think it's tough. I'm going to go with the assassination of of Arthur uh, because I think that this is one of the most bone-chilling scenes I've, I've ever watched or can remember like in a recent movie because it it seems so realistic mm-hmm. like oh if some extremely powerful organization was going to silence a person without their fingerprints being on it this might be how they would do it and yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it just struck me because of the military efficiency of it the the way his like foot flops a little bit his mm-hmm. hand flops a little bit at the end gives me chills and how businesslike they are about it yeah it's not a thing at all to kill this guy they have done this a dozen times easy many 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 times it's like just a casual thing that they do they have it down to a science so i would i would i think that's the scene that i would show people because i i think people would be like oh how do we get to this place you know, mm-hmm. and it just lets you know uh, really the stakes involved. It's it's truly life or death for this corporate entity that's involved in this. Really one of the most striking scenes. And it's all basically one shot right from the beginning when he answers his door, knock on the door, boom, to when Arthur expires in the bathroom. Uh, really amazing, amazing filmmaking and incredible crackling scene. I hope that never happens to me. <laughs> yeah. I, <don't> know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just want to say that. There's no yeah. like insight or anything here. I just don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to go out like that. If yeah. you find me dead in my bathroom, please investigate further. Look at yes, my toes. I, will, yeah, Let, I, will, I, I promise I didn't just your, die in there. I promise I, I didn't. Please. Same. That'll for, be, the record, that's my, for the record. Let's make a pact right now. Okay. If any of us ever mysteriously expires for no yeah. reason in their bathroom, make sure the medical examiner looks through the webbings between our fingers and toes. <laughs> yeah. And Shave just my head, checks it out. Look in yeah, there. just check it out. That's all I'm saying. Check I think it we out. should we should do that pact for me and you, but we should not include Steve. Steve, Steve has a look <laughs> about him. I'm gonna die in a bathroom one day. That's what his face tells me. 
when I like I didn't kill both of you in the bathroom. What do you? Oh shit! With with coming to America, coming to America, this is a much easier pick to make because here's the thing: these are these are the five best scenes in Coming to America. I'm gonna lay them out for you. Number one, the morning routine when we watch Prince Akeem wake up and then get ready for his day because you watch that and it becomes very clear very quickly that the next two hours are going to just be a fucking a great time. It's going to be right. a lot of fun. We're yeah. going to see some outrageous stuff that's going to not feel that outrageous within the world. And that's fun to do. Next one. The scene where we get introduced to Prince Akeem's bride-to-be, Imani, starting from the dance part, and then you have the guy singing, and then you have Akeem and Imani meeting privately in the room, and he's like, you know, bark like a dog. A big dog doing this whole thing. What's your favorite food? That's that's expert craftsmanship right there in movie making. Just a, a tight five minutes or whatever. And I love it. That's my, uh, maybe my favorite part of the movie. There's the barbershop scene when they're arguing about boxing. Uh, every barbershop scene is so good, yeah. So many movies that came after Coming to America would go on to try and recreate yes. that kind of energy that Arsenio yes. and, and Eddie stuff into the scene. You gave a hot take earlier. I'm going to give you a, a hot take here. My hot take is that Quentin Tarantino watched that scene and was like, I know what I want my career to be. And then he spent the next 30 years chasing after that electricity. Wow. That, that's, that, that's what I think. That's what I think. I think the opening to Reservoir Dogs is just a straight ripoff of what they were doing in this scene in Coming to America. Wow. I'm going to throw that out there. I'm going to throw that out there. Can we get Sean Fennessy to call him and ask him? <laughs> the fourth best scene is the club scene where they're talking to all the different oh women, the, fir- the first batch of women, <gasps> and they're cycling through them and you're getting just these, it's just joke after joke after joke after joke. It's I love when, so a movie, good. when a movie does this. Just a lot, of, a lot of fun. And then the last one is the sexual chocolate scene, which is yet another example in this movie, of the sort of weird ingenuity that only Eddie Murphy could pull off. Because they just dropped this scene out of nowhere, and it shouldn't have been like, it shouldn't have been that funny. But it's just fucking great. Every part of it, if we're talking about just a group of old men, they mostly all hate him, except for the one guy who swears he's the greatest performer. Randy Jackson is just, (laughs) all of the parts, all of the parts, the one guy with 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 the haircut, it's fucking great. It's great. I, I, I'll tell you, we, I could not, in the years since, to this day, every time I hear a greatest love of all by Whitney Houston, anytime it comes on, whatever, it comes on the computer, comes on the radio, is played anywhere that I'm mm-hmm. around it, I cannot help but do the line, give them a sense of pride exactly <laughs> the way, <laughs> give them a sense of pride. I have to do it. I have to say that. It is stuck in my brain. It's burned to my brain. It's just such good writing there. I, I really yeah. enjoy when they, when they introduce Randy into the scene and, yeah. the, and the, the preacher, Arsenio as a preacher, is like giving his rundown. And clearly this is a guy who's like from the neighborhood and he kind of made it a little bit. And right. he's like, they're trying to make him as big thing. It's like, he played the Joe the policeman yes. and what's like, just th- those sorts of little touches right there. It's stuff that you miss it when you're a kid. You don't understand why that's funny or how that's funny. But then you get older and you meet people who are like this and yeah. it just becomes the best thing in the world. It's, it, it, this is what 
we we went through this whole stretch already. This is 88. He is, as you mentioned, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Yes. And it's just so funny to see them subvert that right here and have him play this other guy who is not that. Who they, he, There was probably a point in Eddie Murphy's career where they introduced him in a like that way, probably. Anyway, those are the five scenes. The morning routine uh, mm-hmm. where we meet the pride. The, the royal penis is clean. The barbershop scene, the club scene, and the sexual chocolate scene. Those are the five best coming to America. And, and, and here's the crazy part is it is totally within the realm of possibility that somebody else has a five best scenes from the movie that don't have any of those on there. Just yes. five any other scenes. Absolutely agree. That's how good this movie is. For, for my pick, though, for my pick here, I think sure. I want to do, I want to do when they, when they meet Imani, when they meet the bride-to-be. Yeah. It's just fucking, I don't even know how to describe it. I just love it. I just love it. I, sing, I love the, you... sing, sing the song right now, Jason. I'm throwing it out there. Sing it. Okay, sing it. Let me, hold on. I got to <laughs> listen to the, hold on. I got to listen to the melody. Queen. Queen. <laughs> it's great. She's your queen to be, a queen to be forever. A queen who is it better than I thought it was gonna be. His hardest desires. She's your queen to me. Oh God. Oh shit, let's move on next category. Next category. (laughs) Steve. Oil them up. Oil them little baby horns up. What is poom, 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 poom? It's the Steve. oil can. It's like boom, 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 <laughs> pumping okay. in the oil. <laughs> okay. Jason, please tell us what's bullshit from Michael Clayton. Uh, here's what's bullshit from Michael Clayton. So I have two two things. Okay. First thing is when Arthur tapes his uh, diss track to U North. <laughs> his diss track. <laughs> he tapes he tapes the U North theme off of his TV to his to his answering machine, mm-hmm. and then somehow loops that for like twenty minutes. No, it's literally it, I don't know how, but that's impossible. You're not the, or, the you're original not voice memo. That. Call in your you, own answering machine. <laughs> you can't. And the beat lines up the whole time. No, it's impossible. <laughs> if that's the case, that Arthur missed his calling as like the greatest producer DJ of all time. Like he's doing this analog from his cassette tape freaking voice recorder from his phone. His answering mm-hmm. machine. No, mm-hmm. it can't. Mm-hmm. It's impossible that that would happen, and certainly impossible that you would be able to loop it for five to ten to twelve minutes. You would be there for two hours doing that. That's not. It can't happen. And certainly the beat would not match up. It would not perfectly match up. Second thing to my corporate assassins, to my high-paid professional hitmen, <laughs> guys. Incredible job with Arthur. No one would ever have figured that out. What happened with Michael? What, what happened? 
You go with one solution that leaves no trace, no fingerprints. And then your next thing is blow him up in his car? Blow him up. Scarface style. Blow him up in the car? Scarface style. You're going to blow him up in the car? People are going to, everybody's going to be looking at it. Everybody's going to be, the cops are going to look at it. They're going to bring alcohol, tobacco, and firearms to look at it. They're going to bring the FBI down. It's a car bombing, guys. It's a car bombing. The only the only person you could trust with a car bombing, Gerard Butler and law abiding citizen. The <laughs> only one. All of the other ones mess up. It doesn't work out in Scarface. It doesn't work out in Casino. Michael Clayton. It's it's too it's too high risk. And I mean high risk, like high probability of failure. It's high probability of failure. There's electronics involved. I like if the idea is okay, George Clooney owes 80 grand. To uh, to mobsters, and so there's a lot of people out here who would maybe want to blow him up. Then uh, why are you just gonna like shoot him in the head? Why are in you doing head. this? Like, it, it, why are you doing this really difficult thing where you're gonna car bomb him? They're gonna trace the explosive. They're gonna realize that oh, this is like a professional job with cell phone technology involved. Come on, guys, this is like this is way, way, way too high a degree of difficulty for what is a really important job. And then finally, Michael, after his car blows up, he throws his watch and his wallet in there. Like that's (laughs) that's gonna fool people. Like that's gonna be the thing. Well, I guess he died. His watch and his wallet were, where's his body? (laughs) Where's his clothes? Where's his skeleton? You're not just gonna like, you're not just gonna like burn down to nothing. And and your watch and your fucking wallet are gonna be there. (laughs) That's not gonna, why would that fool anybody? That's that honestly, the only thing every time I watch it, I'm like, who would be f- <laughs> why if the hitmen drive by there, they're gonna see his watch and wallet and go, well, I guess the body completely, <laughs> completely Exploded. disintegrated into nothing, but his watch and wallet are in there, so he must be dead. No, that's not fooling anybody, Mike. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Very good. Next category. Next category. Let's Next go. category, the cafeteria table. Oh, man. Okay, so this week we're populating our cafeteria table with characters who have left their job or they're from a leaving your job movie. That's all we're looking for. That's all That's all you need to have done. Quit a job, any job, in a movie. There are six seats available at the table. I'm going to, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to give Arthur the seat from Michael Clayton. We're going to do that. We're going to do that because in our very first episode of The Connect, we got into a big fight about Arthur from Michael Clayton. Yes, we did. It was our very first bad pick of the week. So I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be the bad pick of the week in this episode as well. We're just coming back to it. So Arthur from Michael Clayton gets a seat. Prince Akeem from Coming to America gets a seat. Mm -hmm. He's quitting his job. But he's not quitting his royalty job. I think he's going to... We're just talking about McDowell's. He had to quit that job. He had to get out of there. Go back to Zamunda. So that means there are four seats left. You get a fill too. I get a fill too. Give me your first pick, Jason. Who's going to sit down? My first pick, potentially my bad pick, Jason Bourne from the first (laughs) Jason Bourne movie. You love a Jason Bourne movie. Talk about it. I love a Jason Bourne movie. He goes in uh, to kill, you know, an expat uh, ambassador, and he just is standing over him, the gun out, and he's like, you know what? I don't want to do it. I quit. (laughs) And then he spends the rest of the movie trying to get back at his bosses. I think it's a great leaving your job movie, Jason Bourne in the Bourne Identity. That's not bad. 
that's not bad. That's certainly better than Arthur <laughs> and Michael it. Clayton. We have right now, we have right now Prince Akeem from Coming to America, Jason Bourne from Jason Bourne, and Arthur from Michael Clayton. All right, let me give you one. Let me give you one. I think this is like a very obvious pick because the whole movie is about this, but we have to have him. We have to have Jerry Maguire from Jerry Maguire. We need it. We got to have him in here. Absolutely incredible one. Really, really fun scene to watch. I love him taking the fish. Yeah. I I love love, uh, Bridget Jones, Renee Zellweger. It's a great one. Attaching a wagon to him, being like, you know what? I'm going to ride with you. Just, that, I mean, it, I, that it. would actually, that would, I, whenever I watch that movie, I would rather that no one follow me than one person. Than one? Just one? Yeah, because <laughs> like, I don't want the extra responsibility of now, like, I fucked up your life. I'd yeah, rather yeah. it be, I fucked up five other people's lives and we all kind of thought it was a good idea, but now it's clearly <laughs> not, <laughs> than the pressure of fucking up just one person's life. Hey, wh- one with a little boy too. And then you're like, oh shit. <laughs> oh oh, fuck. oh yeah. no. Oh yeah. no. Jerry Maguire from Jerry Maguire gets a seat. We have him. Prince Akeem and Coming to America. Jason Bourne mm-hmm. from Jason Bourne. Arthur from Michael Clayton. You got one more pick. Make it count. I'm going to do a movie that we have talked about previously. I'm going to do the narrator played by Edward Norton in Fight Club. That's solid. One of the most (laughs) indelible scenes in the movie and an unforgettable way to quit your job by beating the shit out of yourself in order to get a settlement from your company that then funds your uh, your terrorist project. Incredible, <laughs> incredible work <laughs> from the narrator. Very strong. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I've got two people. I've got two people who aren't sure, like, if their memories are real. I just want to put that out there and <laughs> that we're eating dinner with. Both of these people are not sure what is happening or where they've ever been in their lives. All that I know is this, this cafeteria table is going to be fucking fat with bread. Just yeah. so much bread. Everybody's <laughs> going to have Bread, bread, bread all around. Jerry Maguire and Jerry Maguire. Prince Akeem and Coming to America. Jason Bourne from Jason Bourne. The narrator in Fight Club. Arthur and Michael Clayton. Let me give you something that I stepped over before we get here. Before we get to the last pick, let me give you some of my honorable mentions. James McAvoy and Wanted. I like when he, quits his, when he quits his office job and then he smashes Chris Pratt in the face with a keyboard on the way out. And the letters from the keyboard, yes. plus I think one of Chris Pratt's teeth spell out fuck you, if I remember correctly. I that's, remember watching uh, that in the movie theater. Uh, that's neat. That's cool. That's, that's a cool one of my, uh, That's one of my favorite uh, I Love Baths movie. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Julia Roberts and Eat, Pray, Love. Ooh. I like, I like her quitting her job. And that's like the, the sort of the dream right there. You just quit and then disappear into the wind. And, and then, then you, you just, just go, go out and, and you know what you do? That's it. You know what you do after that? You just fucking eat and pray and love, period. <laughs> That's it. And I, That's I'll tell all... you what, if you can get all three of them, I'm good with just eat most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Pray you can do anywhere, right? That's mm-hmm. whenever. If you can get love in there too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we're all trying to do as people. Get those three. If you can get three those things. three. <laughs> I'm good with the first and the third. I don't even think I need prayer. I'm all right without it. I think. Yeah. When's the last time you prayed? Like for real prayed? Not like, oh, oh God, please let the Spurs win this game. Uh, Not like that. I mean, like, 
I couldn't even tell you. It might be Knicks related. I think it might have been. <laughs> does this count? Like when when the Knicks were uh, could have got the number one pick for Zion Williamson. I think I might have said a very quiet prayer at that. Zion time. Zion, Zion counts. Look 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 right here on my desk. Zion. Oh, hell yeah. Slam, this is a slam issue of Zion on my desk right here. You could pray for Zion. I said a very quiet prayer. I said, you know, I was like, listen, I know this is, you've got a lot of things. This is not that important, but I, I would love it if we get Zion because that gives me eat and pray. I just, and then, if, and then if the Knicks are, and then if the Knicks are good, I love it. And then it's all three. You, you, you ran a Zion prayer up the flagpole. <laughs> I did. I just want to run up the flagpole. Just, just look quick. All right. Um, people are probably going to get uh, very upset if we don't at least mention the guy in Half Baked, an iconic good, yeah. quitting fuck of his you, job. Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> we should have Steve. Let's play that. Can you play that line right here? Let's just throw that yeah. one in here right now. We just need it. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! You're cool. And fuck you! I'm out. Excellent. That was great. That Honestly, was great. one of the funniest movies of all time, Half Baked. It's it was it was funny when I was nineteen years old or however old I was when I watched it. Twenty one years old. It it, I, it found me when it when it needed to find me. It's, it, yeah, it's exactly one of those movies. Like like how high? Yeah, I I, <laughs> I, I I loved how high when it came out. I imagine if I rewatched it now, I'd be like, meh, no yeah. thanks. John Favreau and Chef. Again, oh, I love when they quit one. the job and chase the dream. Great, great, great. I assume that Leonardo DiCaprio quit his job when he was in the, that movie, The Beach. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to live on the beach with Tilda Swinton. Another with Tilda, Tilda Swinton, Swinton. Another Tilda Swinton banger. What a weird fucking movie that was, The Beach. It was, it was really fun up until like the last 20 minutes. And it like, really takes like a wild plot twist in the middle of the <laughs> And then Peter, uh, Peter in the office, we should mention him. We talked about him in our oh, great very first one. episode. Great one. Yeah, so so those are the the honorable mentions. Let me recap our list again. We have Jerry Maguire and Jerry Maguire, Prince Akeem coming to America, Jason Bourne and Jason Bourne, the narrator in Fight Club, mm -hmm. Arthur and Michael Clayton. Here's my favorite example of someone quitting their job in any movie that has ever happened. Marla Hooch in A League of Their Own. Oh! Marla Hooch, power hitter for the Rockford Peaches. League leader in on-base percentage and, and power shots. They make it to the World Series. She falls in love, and she's like, fuck it. I don't want to play in the World Series. I know I'm the greatest hitter in the league. I'm out. I'll see y'all later. I'm going to quit. Doesn't even, doesn't even say anything. They just show up, and she's gone. She's like, she just left. She just left. Megan Cavanaugh, the actress, is also the voice of uh, Judy Neutron and Jimmy Neutron. Incredible work. Good old, good old Marla. Dottie quit as well. Dottie, the league MVP, quit. Tom Hanks coached him up in that series. We got, we got, we got, we got to say it. They're missing. They were missing, if I remember correctly, Betty Spaghetti because her husband died in the war. They're missing Marla Hooch, their their power hitter, and they're missing the league MVP, Dottie Henson. And they still push. They still push them to a game seven. Still push them to a game seven. What a great Fu sports movie. Future episode. A League of Their Own is coming. Love it. It's coming. I it's love coming. It. Steve, we have our table. Can you please give us one line from each of these? One line from Jerry Maguire in Jerry Maguire. Show me the money! One line from Prince Akeem in Coming to America. What does dumb fuck mean? 
One line from Jason Bourne and Jason Bourne. I can tell you that our waitress is left-handed and the guy sitting up at the counter weighs 215 pounds and knows how to handle himself. One line from the narrator in Fight Club. You keep me on the payroll as an outside consultant. And in exchange for my salary, my job will be never to tell people these things that I know. One line from Marla. Give me the line when she's singing. When she's singing to her, to her guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. singing to you. Give me the I'm singing to you line. One mm. line from Marla. In a league of their own. I sing it to Nelson, ain't I, baby? That's my girl right there. And then, full circle, he was the very first ever bad pick of the week. He's going to be the bad pick of the week in episode 16. Steve, build it up. Build it all the way you, up. Yes! Bigger than you have ever built it ever. Woo! One line from Arthur and Michael Clayton. Y'all ready for this? It's, it's still warm. It's the best bread I ever tasted. Woohoo! <laughs> you know the one. You know the one. You know what it is. You know what the fuck it is. <laughs> Next category. And now. Mm, mm. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. In which and I compete the last time on this podcast to see who can name the most connections between our two movies coming to America and Michael Clayton without missing, without running out, or without getting thieved by Steve Allman? I'm very nervous again. <laughs> I think this is, right the, now, this is a legacy game for me. So this is, this is the last time Jason and I will participate in the connection contest. At the moment, we have done it 15 times. I think the record is, what, 12 and 3? Twelve and three. Twelve and three. A if, few of those so, are. A few of those are controversial. Those three, three of those are controversial. Of those three that he lost, <laughs> three are controversial. This is what we're gonna do, Jason. This is double or nothing right here. Double just, or nothing. It's double, it's double or nothing. Whoa, whoa, Even whoa. with double or nothing, you don't win. But that's it's fine. It's double or nothing. If I win, the new record is is it will we'll both be fifteen and fifteen. If I win this time, I do. <laughs> the fuck out oh, of here. God. I'm Get ready. The fuck I'll, out go, here. I'll go first. Right, I'll go, go first. I'll okay. go first. Both movies largely take place in New York City. I knew you were going to do that. I yeah, knew that's yeah. why you wanted to go first. I got to get it in there. Both movies uh, star actors who also directed movies. Hmm. Both movies have two guys who will go to great lengths to show how much they love someone. Uh-huh. Mm. In both mm. both mm. movies, characters take long cab drives. Oh, I had that. Both movies have a scene where something interesting happens in a parking lot. In Coming okay. to America, it's the milkshake scene, and Michael Clayton, of course, he's arrested running naked through a parking lot. In both movies, the main character airs grievances to their boss. Both movies have scenes where it looks like someone's not going to be able to pay the rent. In both movies, there's... Lost baggage. Akeem uh, gets all his bags stolen and then Arthur's uh, suitcase is nowhere to be found. Mm, I might contest that one. Because it wasn't what? lost, it was stolen. There's a difference. Well, there's no, a difference. They're Buzz gone. Buzz Steve. Buzz Get Arthur stolen. One last time. How dare you? you. One last time, How Steve. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get that 15 and 15 record, baby. Both okay. Here we go. Let's get let's get real thin. Let's get okay. on some thin ice here. Both oh, here movies, we go. Let's do it. I can't. Both wait. movies have scenes where we see someone laying in a bed. <laughs> How about that? How about that? How about, uh, both, How about that? In both movies, characters <laughs> walk. 
I'm in some real water in the background territory right, right here. Wait, wait, wait. You just can't. Give me the I'm ding. in some real just water. Give me the ding. Give me the ding. This is no. We're still alive. We're still alive. No, You're no, up. no. Absolutely You're not. You're up, Jason. You can, absolutely not. Well, I'll do, I'll do another one. All right. Fine. Just to show you that how how deep the well is. In both movies, characters describe themselves as cleaning up for other characters. Michael Clayton describes himself as Jenner, and Akeem's first job is actually cleaning up McDowell's. Both movies have scenes where someone tries to buy someone off, but it doesn't work out. Oh, ding, yeah. ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You In both movies, a father wants his son to be happy. Oh, my God. That's worse than water in the background. No, it's every, not. Every it's absolutely not. How dare Steve. you? Buzz is it room. worse than? Is it worse than the characters are lying down? <laughs> okay, I got a good one. I got a good one. Here's it. Let me, let me, let me tighten it back up. All right. <laughs> both movies, both movies make use of the imagery of elephants. Ding. When are when are there elephants in? Wait, there's Clayton? not. I just tried it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I didn't think he was gonna go. call. I didn't think he was gonna call me on it. I didn't think he was gonna call go. me on it. I'm waiting. Oh. I'm like, you need to cite that. You need to cite the elephant in Michael Clayton. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say there was a, there's an elephant on the cover of the book that that Michael Clayton looks through. Does that if count? You would have said the thing. If you would have said that like uh, Michael Clayton's son has like a has a toy elephant in his room, I would have almost bought it. I didn't commit to Steve, the lie. That's the problem. Steve, play the play the play the triumphant music. Thank you very much. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> the new record is 24 and 3. <laughs> 24 and 3. Or something. <laughs> Tevrina, it's, it's been an incredible run. Uh, I didn't expect to win this much. And it's an, honestly, it's a surprise even to me that I would have, that I would have won this much. But as always, <laughs> Shea Serrano is humble in defeat. And no, I'm not. I could not have cheated. I could not Robbed. have asked for a Robbed. I could Robbed. have not have asked for a more noble person to have competed against <laughs> for the entire run of this podcast. He's always uh, treated me honorably with total respect and has never ever accused me of committing multiple serious crimes for which I should be imprisoned <laughs> for many many years. I want to thank him and I want to thank Steve and I want to thank the audience out there. Thank you very much. Next category. Next category. I'm good with it. The easiest category. Jason. Yes. How yeah. do you feel about the state of leaving your job movies? Would you watch more of them? Or are you good? I, I want to see more. I want to see more, of course. I think it's one of the great... It's one of... Listen, movies and stories in general about wish fulfillment. And one of the great uh, wishes that many people have is just to be able to walk into their uh, their boss's office and say, I did not steal anything <laughs> to say nothing of a burrito and I quit. I am gone. That's just an example that I'm using for no apparent reason. I have never had like a good quitting story. All of my quitting stories are just like I called someone or I just stopped going to work and that was it. I don't have a good one. I need a good one in my life. Do you have a good one? No, I've only been fired and I've never quit be always because I really <laughs> needed the job. But I've seen someone, when I worked at a bakery, I watched uh, one of my coworkers actually just give up. Like in the middle of the rush, she just took off her apron, rolled it up, handed it very politely to the manager and said, I, and she was just like, I can't do it anymore. And then walked out. Oh, shit. 
like, <laughs> she's going, she's going through up. some stuff. <laughs> it was, she was going, she really was going through it. She was going through it. And that was the most dramatic thing I've ever seen in terms of somebody quitting their job. Next category. God, I can't, I can't believe I lost connection contest. I should have, I should have committed. Really? Can you really it. not believe yeah. that you've lost the connection be- contest? Can, no, I can believe it. You're right. You're right. You're right. Listen, here's the thing. When we started the podcast before, this is for the listeners now. I'm going to talk directly to the listeners. Before we started releasing episodes, we recorded like three practice episodes, maybe four. And I think in those three or four, I won all of the connection contests. And I don't know if Jason was just letting me to get my confidence up. I thought I was going to sweep through this every time. And then guess what? Fucking sandbagged me. That's what he did. That's what he did. Played dead and then went for the throat. Next category, special acknowledgements. Special acknowledgements. This is where we uh, take a fun thing from the movie and we talk about it. Fun scene, fun detail from the movie. Shay, why don't you go first? My my special acknowledgement, not from any of the movies, not from either of the movies. This yeah. is my, my special acknowledgement for our last episode with Jason is going to be to Jason. It's going to be to Jason. When we... When we started this podcast, the first time that we did it, the theme was work friends. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we picked that one was this sort of, some people like emailed us about it. It was a not so subtle nod to you and me being work friends. We've known each other for several years. We've worked together several years across two different publications. Now, the throats of many of our enemies have been metaphorically slit during countless dinners while you and I talk shit about them between bites of seafood. That's why we started this podcast with that episode. And then today, this week, the theme is leaving your job. And we did that because this is your last episode as co-host of The Connect. You are leaving. And I just want to say, you sorry fuck. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't want to say that. No, no, no. But for real, it's been great. You're great. Steve and I and all of the listeners are going to miss you a ton. In the future episodes, you're the king of kings, Jason, the ruler of rulers, podcast royalty. So let me say for real, Steve, will you play Will you play the music from the end of Furious 7? Will you play that? Wow. Right? Oh, boy. Wow. Please, please. Let me say it. <clears throat> I used to say, I lived my life a quarter. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Play the oh, music, this is great, this is great. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, let me do this. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, get in the car, get in the car. <laughs> I used to say, I live my I live my life a quarter podcast at a time. <laughs> and I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. Because you did too. No matter where you go. Whether it's a quarter podcast away or halfway across Los Angeles, <laughs> you'll always be with me and you'll always be my brother. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Sing it, Steve. That was great. That was yeah. great. <laughs> well, my special acknowledgement is just for everybody to play that back again. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. This has really been fun. This has been such a fun podcast to do. I can't believe that they uh, let us do it. I can't believe that they paid us money to do it because it's <laughs> honestly been uh, some of the just fun, fun, fun the whole time. We get to talk about movies and talk about why we like them and, uh, you know, being able to do it with you, one of the most brilliant people that I know in my life, this has been incredible. 
And mm. and you're good too, Shay. You're very talented as well. <laughs> <laughs> Got some shine here. Last no. category. <laughs> Last category. The Lucy. Every episode ends with the Lucy. It's a game where we have to figure out a way to connect our movie to Lucy Lou in That's as right. few steps as possible or in as artful a way as possible. Okay. You go first, Jason, because uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I got it. I got it this time. Are you sure? Because I, I think it. I might have it. I want I want some heat from both of you this time. This is I, I, you ready? This yeah, is straight up the best connection that we have ever had. This I'm ready is, for I pro- it. I promise you. I promise George you. Clooney, George Clooney, who mm-hmm. is Michael Clayton in this movie, has yes. twice dated Lucy Liu in 2000 and in 2005. Mm-hmm. That's, again, that's, that's pretty good. That's good. That's pretty good. That's a direct shot. It's is a direct, it direct, direct is that shot. That's all. That's it. What, what do you need? What more do you want? Because listen, because listen, we Uh-oh. have we have two Uh-oh. ways here. We Uh-oh. also have we also have the one degree of separation because Sam Jackson is in Coming to America, that's as right, you mentioned. Of course. And then he's also in Kill Bill Volume 2. Yes. So there's that one. I don't want that one, though. I don't want that. OK. One. There was also a Michael Jackson animated series called Michael Jackson's Halloween a couple years Ooh, ago. Wow. Lucy, wow. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy Liu was one of the voice actors on that show. Oh, but shit. I don't want that one. I don't Uh-oh. want that one. I don't wow. want that one. Okay. Because listen, this shit is a wrap. Steve, <laughs> get some celebratory sounds ready. Horns, bombs, cheers, all of that. I promise you this is maybe the best, most artful connection that we've had so far. And and maybe this is one that Jason is anticipating because he knows a lot about comic books. And this is like one of the few things that I know about comic books because I bought a comic book recently, an autograph thing. But here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Lucy Liu, get ready for this. Lucy okay. Liu directed an episode of Luke Cage. Season two, episode one. She directed that that one. Luke Cage, the show, is based off of Luke Cage, the comic book, okay? That's right. Stay with me. Stay with me here, Steve. So Lucy Liu directed that episode of Luke Cage. In 2015, after it was announced that Netflix was developing the show, developing Luke Cage, a first edition copy of the very first issue of Luke Cage was sold at auction for $46,500. And guess who it was who bought it? Get the fuck out of here. Eddie motherfucking Murphy, the wow. star of Coming to America. That's a good one. That's Boom. wow. That's the best That's connection huge. we have ever That's gotten. Good. A total circle. That's so I much like more it. interesting than who she dated George Clooney. Everybody well, did. You Clooney. can't get closer than that. I'm going That's artful. a good one. No, I prefer, no, That's you a, know what? no That's I'm, I'm winning. It's like, say my, say that. my name. That's, That's a, great. Say, it's play good. my it's music. Play my music. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, folks, it's been an incredible run, and I have, uh, it's Wait. been my honor to be a part of Wait, are we done? We're done. Can't, can't, time out, time out, time what? out. Uh, that was a lie. I just made all of that up right now. None of that was true. None of that Wait, was true. are you true. serious? I made, I made all of that up. I made all of that up. What it was a, It was a total scam. I threw the connection contest on purpose. I put a lie in there. I didn't commit to the lie. Because I was going to commit to this lie. Hook, line, and sinker. I got both of you fucks. I got both of you fucks. I don't care. Play my music again. I lie. I cheat. I steal. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero. Let's go, baby. <laughs> what an unbelievable Whoa. display from Chase Serrano on Jesus. our final connect. That's the long con, baby. Has, That's the long the con. Long con. <laughs> Wait a second. The long con, it was one segment. How dare oh. you? How dare you wow. break our trust like this after you've already you've already head 
Steve Ooh. under your sway, where he doesn't know if up is down, if there's sky in the background, if it's good, go. if it's bad. Let's go. Let's and now go. look what you've done. Look what I did. I'm proud of you. I'm actually wow. proud of you. That was Thank fucking you. great. I was like, Clive wow, up. that's a fucking, that's the such Mexican a cool Clive fact. Mexican Clive Owen inside man. <laughs> Let's fucking go. The perfect robbery. That's what that was. Jesus. Man, I feel like we just got the, we just got like talented Mr. Ripley over here. <laughs> fact check, motherfuckers. Fact check. I gotta, t- I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. What a way to go. And what a final episode this has been. It's been my honor to be here co-hosting with Shay, being produced by Steve. We hope that everyone out there who's listening to this podcast is staying safe and healthy. Please join this podcast next time it appears when who knows who will be co-hosting and who who knows knows what the theme will be. Who knows? Goodbye, everybody! Give me $50 worth.